Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Tess. And this week we are on Season 5, Episode 12, uh, Field of Queens. Field of Queens. Uh, so let's jump into the episode description this week, and then we'll talk about our two plot lines. Hooray! When Jack convinces tangle-footed Will to join him on a gay soccer team, Will's inept play leaves him warming the bench, which allows him to bond with teenage Elliot, who is also the last man called upon in his own youth soccer team. Okay, I thought Elliot was playing basketball. No, he was playing soccer the whole time. Are we sure? I think so. Because he was talking about how he was on the team and, like, he had to wear, like, the uniforms and, like... I really thought it was basketball. No, I'm pretty sure it was soccer. Also, tangle-footed is a new word for me. Tangle-footed is what you call it when a gay man isn't actually fleet of foot. That's the official term. What? No. Ta- fleet of foot? What that mean? means that they can dance and do life elfin things. I see. Like, you know how when you go to a bar and twinks are always dancing really well, and you're like, how do they do that? No. They're fleet of foot. We live in Wisconsin. All the twinks are white. Well, okay, fair. All right. Let's talk about the other plot line first. Because it's uh, I think it's probably a horse apiece. It's better. Um, but we, I guess we weren't really impressed with either of these. We just kind of thought they were, like, funny and cute. Yes. Um, but so, as we mentioned, there's the Will and Jack plotline where they're playing soccer with Elliot. Yes. Um, and then there's also a plotline with Karen and Grace where Karen is starting to get back into the dating game. Yes. So, Karen invites everyone to a fancy dinner Mostly so that she can hit on this guy, Milo. Mm-hmm. Milo's and a dumb name. Milo, that's a fine name. I mean, that guy's a douchebag. I never said the guy wasn't a douchebag. It just said his name is fine. Okay. I just wanted to be mean to him. Okay. Find other things to be mean about, like his receding hairline. <laughs> Burn! Okay, but so Karen comes into the episode, and her boobies are out. And they're really out. They're really out, and... Grace plays with them a little, and, you know, it was nice. And she talks about how she hasn't been dating in so long. The last time she dated, Bush was president, and we were about to go to war with Iraq, <laughs> which is great because I believe this is early 2003 when this episode aired. Yep, this is, uh, I think this is the first episode of the new year, actually. Yes, so literally Bush is president, and we're about to go to war with Iraq. So, mirrors, symbolism. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's. It's sort of cute. It's funny. So Karen um, is all nervous and mm-hmm. giggly and accidentally gives this guy some amphetamines, but he goes to kiss her hand. Right. Um, and so she goes on a date. Yes. And this is fine, but it doesn't feel that different than any other Will and Grace plotline. Or yeah. any other plotline on any sitcom. Like, we're in season five of the show. You know, we, we want these characters to make some changes, but still kind of stay the same. And this doesn't feel like a plotline that any of the characters would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems like a bit like the writers just don't really know what to do with Karen now that she's not with Stan. Right. So... I mean, this is a major life change for Karen. Right. Don't get us wrong. Like, it makes sense that she'd be acting differently. Right. But instead of acting like, you know, Karen doing a change of life situation, they're right. acting like Karen is a different person. Right, I mean, she's like she's always flaunting her boobs. That feels normal. Yeah. And she's always hitting on or flirting with these, like, rich, fancy dudes. Right. But she's so insecure about it. And she is really, like, hung up on whether or not this one person likes her. Right, and that's just not very much so the Karen we know. And mm-hmm. I feel like if they wanted to make that a character choice, 
they needed to do a lot more work to explain why. Right. I mean, and from, they just didn't. From my perspective, like, I can hardly, like, I think the last episode I had to ask whether she was still getting divorced. Because the way they've been playing at this episode, because Stanley is such an off-screen character, it's really been underplayed. Right. Yeah. So, essentially, what happens is Karen has this date with this guy, and mm-hmm. she says it went really well. And so, he said he would call her. Right. And then three days go by, and he hasn't called. Right. And that's, that's just it. It, yeah. And so, like... Like, Karen doesn't even confront him. Grace goes down and confronts him. Right, that's the thing, is she just asks Grace, like, he's gonna call, right? right? And so then Grace, like, indignantly goes down to the restaurant that Milo owns to yell at him for not calling Karen. Right. And when he is a douchebag and explains, you know, she's too old for me, to which Grace responds, she's exactly your age, <laughs> which I find hilarious because another running joke is that no one knows how old Karen is. Right. So the fact that... No one knows how old she is, but she's exactly this guy's age. Right. It's uh, so sort of funny. I mean, and that's the thing is that, like, Will and Grace has made fun of Karen for being of debatable age tons of times. And now we're supposed to feel bad that someone doesn't want to go out with her because she's too old. Right. Yeah. And so, like, this guy is clearly a jerk. And Karen, like, yells. And Karen's honor is, like, defended by Grace because mm-hmm. Grace yells at him. Right. But, like... I don't know. Then we see Grace go back to the office and Karen's still being all insecure. And so then Grace tries to lie to her and say, oh, Milo hasn't called because he had his throat removed. Yeah, that was the other thing is it felt like the show didn't have a third act for that plot line. Right. Yeah. Like, and then Karen is gullible enough to believe it at first that there's like a stick-like apparatus. And it's just like, the thing is, we all know that Karen does secretly have a soft underbelly. Mm -hmm. But... The fact is, Grace trying to sugarcoat it so much that she won't let Karen feel that rejection Mm -hmm. is weird. Well, and sometimes it's good to see Karen's soft underbelly, but seeing it for so long in the episode just feels uncomfortable. Right. It sort of feels like when a cat flops over and shows you your belly and, like, their belly, and you're like, do they want me to rub it, or are they going to bite the shit out of me? Right. And, like... Karen is a cat, and Karen is going to bite the shit out of you if you pet her belly. But, like, that's who Karen is. Right. And this episode, we don't get Karen, who's... Karen's just, like, laying there and, like, letting you rub her belly. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I have to take you to the vet. Something is clearly wrong with you. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to have to put her down. Like... Right. Because you keep waiting for her to have that bite and bite the shit out of your hand, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't do it. And And Grace doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, Grace fighting with this guy about blowing Karen off is not like when Karen goes to bat for Grace at all. Right, yeah. And, like, there isn't... What I expect from that sort of thing is when Karen is being unlike herself, usually what happens is Grace or Jack is like, hey, buck up, you're Karen Walker, you're amazing. And And then she is. Then she is amazing. But then we don't get that this Mm -hmm. episode. Instead, we get this weird conclusion where Grace is like, huh, I'm the old married lady, and you're the single girl asking for dating advice now. That's different. I like it. And Karen's like, I hate it. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, Grace, that was really fucking insensitive. Yeah, if you said that to me, I would be very offended. Right. Like, if all of a sudden, like, we were in a situation where, like, you had a steady boyfriend or girlfriend, and, like, I was single, and I was really sad about it. Not that I have a boyfriend or girlfriend now, but, like, I think one of us is better at having long relationships where you refuse to break up with someone for good reasons and one of us isn't i'm sorry are you trying to compliment yourself for living in denial or no i'm trying to uninsult you 
by saying that I only have short-term relationships because when I really... Because you have standards, yes. Yes, because I have standards. Right, right. But in a situation where you had no standards and I was the one who had standards all the time. Or maybe I met someone who met my standards. Also a possibility. You could be optimistic for me, fuck. <laughs> well, I was trying to be more optimistic and then it, you said it came across like I was being mean to you. I just mean. I just really want to really indicate to our listeners that I have standards. Right. So if Tess has standards, you know, and I, I don't, do. or I do start having standards and then I'm single, and then you are mean to me about me having standards, I'm going to be upset about that. And Karen is just such a caged puppy this episode that, like, yeah, there's none of that. Yeah, it's like she you'd think she'd, like, you know, respond to that by insulting Grace's outfit or something. Right, I mean... And there's none of that spark there. Usually she treats Grace like she's wearing a piano key necktie for pantyhose. Okay, you've got to stop saying piano key necktie when you mean piano key scarf. I don't mean either of them at this point. No one would wear that for pantyhose. That doesn't make any sense. I just mean you've said this several times in person now, and I feel like I must call you out in front of our <laughs> listeners. When you're saying necktie, you mean scarf. Those are different items of clothing. They both go around your neck. For very different reasons. Okay. One of them is to keep you warm. And that's not the necktie, just to clarify, if you weren't sure. <laughs> Sometimes, listeners, it's like Matthew's second language is English, but his first language <laughs> is Martian. <laughs> oh, boy. Thanks, Rosetta Stone. Oh, boy. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Teach your friends who only speak Martian English. It doesn't work great. Oh. Well, let's uh, talk about the Jack and Will plotline, I think. Sports. They do Sports. Sports, go sports. I actually, I really pride myself to like this plotline a lot more than I did because I think that Jack and Will are actually the kind of gays who would really enjoy being part of a gay soccer league. I feel like they seem more like softball gays to me. Well, I just mean sports, like in general. Like, right. Jack is, despite himself, really a sporty spice. He is very sporty. Like, he's very competitive. He wants to win more than anything else. He likes getting to be around lots of other guys. He works out a lot, so you know he works out a lot. Yep. And Will is basically a straight man. Yep. So, like, between the two of them, like, they make sense as people who would be on a gay soccer team. Again, I really do think softball is more their speed. I, but, but you know what I mean? Like, something of that sort. You know, a basketball team, a softball league, a volleyball tournament. You know, like, mm-hmm. a sporty plot line for these two particular gays actually makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's kind of disheartening that the show doesn't do as much with it as it really should. Right. So we get this sort of, like, Jack convinces Will to be on the gay soccer league by being like, it's gay soccer, it's not real soccer. And then Will immediately, like, gets his ass kicked because he isn't prepared for the athleticism. Right. And that's the thing is that, like, while Will also goes to the gym and Will also is very competitive, Will isn't that athletic and really does need a lower level of sporting you know, to keep up. Right, yeah. So basically, Jack is secretly a soccer superstar, and Will is getting his ass kicked. Right. And so Will comes home from their first practice, like, literally his nose is bloody. <laughs> like, he's miserable, he's in pain, he's complaining. But he has to put on a brave face, because this whole time we see Elliot being on, Matthew thinks a soccer team, I really think it's basketball, so it's like a sports team. It says soccer team on I know, the that, episode description, but too. But I'm saying I think that how often are the episode descriptions completely wrong? I Always. They're always completely wrong. Anyways. Anyways. So, Elliot is on a sports. Yes. And when he does the sports, he's not good at it. And Elliot wants to quit the sports. 
And Will decides that he has to stay on the sports to be a good example for Elliot. Right. Which, which is, is frankly hilariously lampshaded in the final yeah. act of the show. Yes. Where like, Will is like, I decided to stay on the soccer team because I'm a good role model. And Elliot's straight up like, I see you once every eight months. It's so fucking funny. It's that was so like the accurate. Best, the best part of the Stam episode. Also like, unintentionally foreshadows the fact that Elliot would totally not necessarily identify with Jack as an adult. As an adult. Like, Basically, this just foreshadowed MAGA Elliot. Right. Like, I, I think conservative Texas Elliot is ridiculous. But on the other hand, we only see Jack being a part of this kid's life for now, what, it's been three years? Right. And he's in, like, middle school and going into high school. And then presumably he goes to college in the South. Like, it's not extremely unreasonable that he mm-hmm. grew up to be a little bit more conservative. Right. Looking back on his life and being like, wow, like... My mom stole sperm from a sperm bank, uh-huh. and my gay dad was a disaster. Don't forget, his mom was also gay. Right, right. Which is, again, why I think that that plot line is ridiculous, because no one who grew up with two gay parents would send their child to gay conversion camp. I mean, unless you thought your parents were bullshit. And right. there's enough evidence so far in the show to think that Elliot might think, wow, my parents suck. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's that person who wrote that post-secret I saw a couple weeks ago that was like, I don't think gay people should be able to adopt because my mom is gay. And I'm just like, burn. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. So Elliot wrote that post-secret. Right, I mean, like, it's totally possible for people to have different opinions than they should based on their upbringing. Like, it happens all the time. But, like, it just sucks. People do convert to Mormonism. Mm Mm-hmm. And that seems kind of crazy. But that's not really the point of the episode. The point of the episode is that Will Will is not a sporty spice. No, and Will shouldn't... Like, really, the example you should be setting for Elliot is, if you don't want to do something, don't do it because someone else makes you feel like you have to do it. Right. Like, there is honor in trying and trying, but mm-hmm. there's also honor in admitting that this is not my skill set and I am better suited for something else. Right. And, you know, it's... There's a difference between quitting at something because, like, you're lazy or you don't want to support your team. But, like, if you're genuinely not good at something and you want to be doing other things, then don't do those things. You know? Like, I would argue that Elliot has less of a reason to quit than Will does because Elliot seemed like he sort of liked being on the team even though he wasn't very good at it. Mm -hmm. Will genuinely did not want to play soccer at all. Right. Like, after his first practice he was done he mm-hmm. he planned to he brought a picnic lunch and somehow had espresso and i want to just like take a moment here to try and figure out how he had brewed espresso yeah, on the sidelines that was a, a very game. stacked picnic basket and i like, don't understand did he have all. a battery operated espresso maker in there he could have i'm sure they were selling those at sharper image in mm-hmm. the day but i'm just i he i was a big needed, sharper image guy i needed some more lampshading of how the espresso <laughs> happened because he just dipped his biscotti in there and then he had to go play soccer and it was horrible mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i don't know i mean like the i would say this plot line for me was a little stronger than the karen plot line i don't know about you uh i like the karen plot line a little bit better um i don't really have a reason for it i think it's honestly just because the filming of the soccer scenes oh, was that's so true. fucking terrible i could not watch them yeah i mean i have probably my parents have probably filmed my soccer matches from when I was a child in, like, 99, 2001, at the same quality or better than this episode filmed them. Wait, you were still playing soccer when you were 12? Probably not, but I just don't really remember. Just 
Damn. I played soccer for like two or three seasons at some point in my childhood. It could have been when I was 12. Oh, man, you were such a sporty spice. My parents were always making me play sports. Oh, no, that's the toxic masculinity again. I know. Well, and I think probably part of it, too, is that, like, A, like, guys just did do sports still. It's not like it's, you know, it's not like in 2012 everyone was like, guys, don't do sports anymore. And then everyone did a round of applause, you know. Ugh, I wish, though. But, like... I mean, I grew up in, like, the country. Like, it wasn't weird for guys to do sports. Like, it wasn't like there was a lot of other things for groups of guys to do as friends. I just mean, I'm thinking about who you are as a person. Well, and you also have to think about the fact that, like, a lot of my, like, guy friends in grade school were also doing those things. I guess, but you had asthma and couldn't see and liked to read. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense in retrospect. Like, your mom and dad should have, like, taken you to a library. Well, and I mean, they did that too, but, like, extracurriculars weren't really built around anything other than sports, you know, like, in our town growing up, like. And you went to the bougie school. Yeah. I mean, like, I was in Boy Scouts. My non-bougie school had Battle of the Books. We had Battle of the Books. Did you do it? Yeah. I think I did it once or twice. But, again, that was, like, during the school year. Like, in the summer, you know, you did, like, soccer or baseball. During the school year, you could do basketball. Or during the summer, you can read the entire Harry Potter series. Well, I mean, I did a little of that, too. I don't know. The point is that I I do think I like the sport bit better, if only because I think it had more comical bits that I weren't guess. frustrating for me. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess Will scoring the the winning shot because yes. he was trying to run away from the ball was That's pretty, pretty great. And, like, some of the bits with Elliot are really funny, and just the whole concept, I think, is more comedic. And more traditionally Will and Grace than the Karen plot line, which feels, you know, flown in from any other sitcom. True. But Karen's boobies. That's true. But I don't have any interest in Karen's boobies except as an architectural structure. They and are. And architecturally, they were fascinating this week. They are marvelous. Just so marvelous. They are magnificent. Okay, I think that's all we have. Yeah, we just... I think that's all we have other than thinking about Karen's boobs all the way until next week. <gasps> Let the thought of Karen's porcelain bosom carry you off into a restful sleep. All right. Uh, Tess, will you tell everyone where they can find us on social media? Yes, I can. So our main social media page is our Twitter. If you want to find us, we are at Not A Couple Show on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. You can send us an ask on Tumblr. Um, you can send us an email. We are um, notacouplepodcast at gmail.com, and we can respond to you personally. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with more Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded from a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Liza. Thanks for listening. This episode was sponsored by Rosetta Stone, the fastest way to learn any terrestrial language. We guarantee it.